Sefer Shmot, Parshat Yitro, on the commandment not to covet. Parshat Yitro picks up on the Exodus narrative after Israel's escape from enslavement. And it begins with the reunion of Moshe and his father-in-law Yitro, who advises Moshe to set up a system of chiefs so that Moshe no longer has to settle all the people's disputes all on his own. Moshe then receives continued revelation from God, culminating in the giving of the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments. There's much to discuss about the whole of the Sinai experience, but for now, we'll narrow in on the Ten Commandments, which appear twice in the Torah, in our Parsha today, and much later in the book of Deuteronomy, with some very small but important differences between the two versions. The first of the five commandments in the 10 set the parameters for the relationship between the people and God, Ben Adam Lamakot, such as the keeping of Shabbat and refraining from making idols, while the remaining five govern the people's relationships amongst each other, Ben Adam Lachavero, forbidding murder and adultery and stealing, just to name a few. Honoring parents, mitzvah five one would think would be in the latter ethical category rather than in the former purely religious category. But honoring parents is considered by many rabbis as a pathway toward honoring God. The Talmud explains that the three partners in birth are God, the mother, and the father. We honor God by honoring all three partners in our creation. And so the fifth, is part of the first five, Ben Adam Lamakom. One commandment of particular interest as we contemplate our pursuit of justice, though, is the last commandment on the list, Lo Tachmod, do not covet. The full verse reads, Lo Tachmod, Beit Reacha, Lo Tachmod, Eshet Reacha, Ve'avdo, Ve'amato, Ve'shoro, Ve'chamor, Ve'cho, Asher, Le'reacha. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not cover your neighbor's wife or his male or female slave, or his ox or his ass, or anything that is your neighbor's. Dear friends, we see that the concept of coveting corresponds to the de desire for what someone else has, specifically what they have. In today's terms, you would want their house, their car, their spouse, their image. It can also be said that all the other commandments stem from the prohibition against coveting. One who desires what belongs to others is much more inclined toward theft, adultery, and the like. Rebbe Nachman of Breslov, the great grandson of the Baal Shem Tov, the Besht, taught, this is the most grievous pro prohibition included in the Aserita Dibrot, in the Ten Commandments. Do not covet. Coveting itself is strictly forbidden. This is because by coveting, one can rob another's money as well as the souls of his sons and daughters. So from this perspective, we can see coveting as the root of much, if not all, injustice. Unhealthy desire is what overtakes our better moral judgment so that we succumb to setting aside our principles. If we want to build a just society, 
we have to figure out how to break from that corrosive mindset that leads to jealousy and ultimately leads to harm. For a start, rather than viewing the you shall not covet mitzvah as being about not doing something, we can recognize that the commandment demands that we have stronger foundations morally. It's not only a lotase, what not to do, an ase to strengthen our moral foundation. We live in and are implicated in cultivating a culture of constant discontent. Social media tells us we have nothing. We're not good enough. We're not good looking enough. We're not rich enough. We're not popular enough. The experience feels almost designed to make us feel, I'm the loser. Everyone is having fun but me. The result is often our phones become machines for generating covetous behavior. This raises for us the challenge of being exceptionally clear on the values we want to fight for and what parts of our behavior must be discarded as toxic cultural desires. Another way to fight back on a personal level could be to deepen our spiritual practices. We can look to the fourth commandment of the 10, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And in doing so, internalize that being satisfied by what we already have is not just an obligation, but a gift. Embracing a day where no one and nothing is made instrumental, but everything is as it is without further desires. In secular law, governments legislate behaviors as they should. You can't jaywalk, you must pay your taxes. One of the roles of Torah, however, is to teach us to be concerned with our inner lives as the inner life contains the root causes of all our external behavior. The Torah is therefore impactful on a personal level by caring about our desires and our inner world. Rav Avraham Ibn Ezra, a 12th century biblical commentator, comments on the you shall not covet mitzvah on how we must train ourselves. He writes, many people are amazed at this commandment. They ask, how is it possible for a person not to covet in his heart all beautiful things that appear desirable to him? Every intelligent person must know that a person does not acquire a beautiful woman or money because of his intelligence or wisdom, but only in accordance with what God has apportioned to him. He will therefore be happy with his lot and will not allow his heart to covet and desire anything which is not his. He will therefore trust in his creator, that is, that his creator will sustain him and do what is right in God's sight. In the activism realm, spirituality can strongly enhance social change movements because the changes that we invite to take place within ourselves can then inform the actions we choose to take. Who would even know if we are feeling covetous? This commandment is about the integrity of the activist in relationship with God to know what is making them tick. What drives me in my social change work? How can I take a cheshbon a nefesh, a self-accounting? A movement driven solely by a non-spiritual desire for equity can be effective to a certain extent. However, if there isn't something deeper, something more essential driving it, 
we don't see the responsibility toward justice demanded by the full human being and their full inner world. It can almost be a sign of love from God to say to those we're obligated toward, I don't just care about what you do, I care about the entirety of you. Our activism cannot be fueled by a desire for popularity or riches. Rather, it must be fueled by a hunger for justice. We need to regularly take a self-accounting and engage in a healthy purification from toxic forces. And while we recognize and embrace the use of this commandment in our striving to live morally, we also see how this coveting is one of the main drivers of injustice. When the wealthiest among us out of a desire to one-up their rich peers, exploit impoverished workers for the purpose of their own enrichment, coveting can lead to system-wide injustices. And so in general, as we try to build a community of justice and a culture of respect, perhaps one of the problems brought forth by coveting is dehumanization of our neighbors. If we don't view a person through their own God-given dignity, we wind up viewing them through the lens of what they possess. So suddenly we come to view people not as ends in themselves, instead ascribing them a worth based on what they have. By paying extra attention to this 10th commandment of lo tachmod, we can help ensure that a sense of justice permeates both our inner life and outer works of justice. Shabbat Shalom.